Welcome to Thrive Community Podcast. We are a church community that is passionate about helping you thrive in your life with Jesus. If you're after more information about Thrive Community, hop onto our website at www.thrivecommunity.au. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired by this message. Well, what, what, uh, what we wanted to do this morning um, was just continue the conversation that we started a couple of weeks ago. We started that conversation around how we believe that we're in a time where God's wanting us to, to focus on our internal world and our internal perspectives. You know, that this season is less about trying to get, you know, clarity and trying to plow ahead on external stuff, but actually we need to deal with our internal world first and our internal hearts and perspectives if we're going to see the fruitfulness and the fullness of what God promises. And one of the phrases that we threw out there was that, you know, new blueprints, new dreams, new visions without new perspectives are never going to produce new fruit. And this idea of adjusting, redefining our perspectives to align with what God is doing now so that we can see the fruit down the track. And the, the kind of biblical narrative that we spoke about was around the Israelites coming out of slavery from Egypt and that they physically came out of slavery in Egypt, but then they had 40 years in the wilderness where they were really, they were dealing with heart issues, they were dealing with issues of unbelief, there was complaining and all sorts of things that they had to deal with. In fact, a whole generation was kind of had to get let go, and I wonder whether sometimes there's generational mindsets or thinking that we need to let go of as well in order for us to step into the, the promised land. So they had 40 years of dealing with what in many cases was internal stuff before they stepped into the the promised land. And, you know, when we start thinking about that and applying that to our own lives, this idea of dealing with our own internal world, the things in our own walk with God, even perhaps things across what church has looked like in the past that might need to be redefined, that might need to be reconsidered in light of, you know, having our internal world reshaped and redefined in order to step into all that God wants to do. And, you know, as I was starting to think about even just, you know, terms that might need a new definition in the new season that we're in. And, you know, if we stopped and thought about it, you could probably come up with a a long list of terms, even just phrases that are used in the church world, in church land. You know, have they, you know, been defined and lived out the way that they really should be? Or is there time for a redefinition of some of those things? Uh, Sarah and I have been talking about this for a little while and I felt like, I don't know, at some point I feel like we almost need to put out some kind of Christianese dictionary, right? <laughs> you know, to, to, to actually bring definition to some of the phrases that are used around the place because so much is often just thrown out there and I wonder how many of us really understand what some of those terms mean. And even if we do understand them, let alone you know, have tools to be able to apply them to our lives and live them out. And so we're going to pick one of those words this morning, and, and I mentioned that in the email, and I mentioned it as we were chatting before, but we're going to begin looking at lordship and what that means and how that might apply in our lives. What does that look like for us, and how might we be able to take stock on what surrendering to the lordship of Jesus looks like um, in our everyday lives? And I think 
This not only kind of dovetails off the back of the conversation we started two weeks ago, but last week we spoke around Israel and the war that's going on in the Middle East, and even just talking more broadly about the shaking that's happening around the world. Um, And to be honest, it's not just in different parts of the world. I think it's happening in the church. And speaking for me personally, it's happening, you know, for Sarah and I in our own lives as well, right? There's a, there's a shaking that's, that's beginning to happen. And I was drawn to Haggai chapter 2 and verses 6 to 9. And, and interesting, this is, you know, off the back of the Israelites returning to the promised land after exile in, in Babylon. They begin rebuilding the temple and then the Samaritans kind of put a stop to that for a period of time. And then Haggai, as the prophet, comes and says, hey, we need to get going on rebuilding the temple again. Um, and, and Haggai 2, 6 to 9, it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they will come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And so in the midst of all the shaking, there's this promise from God that the the glory of the temple in the latter days is going to be greater than the former. And the one question that comes to mind is, okay, so for us, if we're applying this to our own lives, how, how do we become people who kind of come out of the shaking with greater glory than what we carried into the shaking? Right, how do we leave the shaking carrying more glory of the Lord than the way we came in? You know, because sadly, I think in the midst of shaking, we can be people who lose our faith, come out with a whole lot less glory than we went in. We come out confused and broken and hurt and all sorts of stuff as a result of the shaking. But this seems to suggest that there's going to be something that comes out of the shaking where we're carrying greater glory than when we went in. And so I believe that a a really important part of that is actually a deeper revelation of the lordship of Jesus. If we're able to surrender to his lordship and recognize him as lord of our lives, then we're much able to steward what God is doing in the midst of shaking and be able to align with what it is that, that he is doing. And so this idea of lordship, you know, we sing about Lord Jesus, we pray and use the word Lord Jesus all the time in different contexts, in different settings. You know, I don't know about you, but you're often like, oh, Lord, in the context of frustration or disappointment or sadness or whatever it might be as well. Um, And I wonder, though, whether we've ever really taken time to think about what does lordship really mean and what does that look like in our lives and how do we have an internal reality that actually reflects the fact that we believe that Jesus is our Lord because this revelation and submitting to the lordship of Jesus, I believe really is, is the foundation of our entire lives as Christians, right? Without lordship, there is no salvation. Uh, lordship isn't just a, a once-off decision, though. It's this continual choice, continual decision of the will to submit to the lordship of, of Jesus. And if we read Romans 10, 9 to 10, and this is in, in the Amplified, but we see clearly how lordship is connected to salvation and our lives as as Christians. And it says, but if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and then the Amplified says, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification. And with the mouth, he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in and confirming his salvation. So it tells us that you know, one of the key things for salvation is confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And if we look back at our own salvation experience, I wonder whether lordship was actually a part of you know, the conversations that were had, the prayers that were prayed. And I think John Bevere wrote a book a little while ago, and it's something that's stuck with me ever since, that really it's not a proper salvation prayer unless there's a reference to lordship. And so often when you listen to prayers that are prayed in different church contexts, sometimes lordship isn't mentioned at all. We talk about Christ as our saviour. We talk about Jesus as our friend, Jesus as our forgiver. But we don't always talk about the lordship of Jesus. And this specifically says that we're to acknowledge and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Not not that Jesus is saviour, not that Jesus is good, not that Jesus is faithful, not that Jesus is friend, not that Jesus is healer or provider or forgiver. But we are to confess that Jesus is Lord. And all of those things around saviour and faithfulness and healing and provision, they're all important and they're all part of who Jesus is and what he does. But there's something significant that's foundational about our walk with Jesus in recognising his, his lordship. And when I looked up the word for, for lord there, it's actually the word kyrios in Greek. And I don't know, I thought, I'm not sure whether maybe that explains why Nick Kyrios behaves the way he does sometimes. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> um, spelt slightly differently. There's no G in the, in the biblical word, but nevertheless, it's um, pronounced very similar. And so that, that word Lord is, is Kyrios, and, it, and it's defined as he to whom a person or a thing belongs about which he has power of deciding. Master, Lord, the possessor or disposer of a thing, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master. And even just reading through that definition, right? Power of deciding, the possessor, the owner, one who has control of a person. It's actually quite a challenging and, and convicting definition when you begin thinking about what that means for us in our lives and choosing to live our lives as Christians under the Lordship of Jesus. And that kind of brings me to that point of thinking about does there need to be a kind of a redefinition of, of Lordship and referencing Lord Jesus? Do we need to spend more time digging into that and growing in a revelation of that where you know we don't just sing Lord Jesus and pray Lord Jesus and, and move on, but actually... As we pray those things, as we sing those, those truths, we have an internal reality that aligns itself with submitting to Jesus being the one who has power and control and the ability to make decisions over our lives. That, that we belong to him, not just in being adopted into his family, but we belong to him in the sense that he owns us and has the ability to guide and lead and choose the direction of our Lives in many ways that he possesses us, which is a convicting and challenging and confronting thought, particularly in the context of a often self-focused world and society that we would choose to give up the ability to decide our own lives and the direction that we choose to go in and give it over to someone else. 
But 1 Peter 2 verse 9 makes it clear. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so if we think about that definition of Lord, this idea of him having the power to decide, being our master, being one who controls and, and owns us, what does belonging to Christ look like in, in our everyday lives? How do we begin to think about how that idea of lordship and him being lord of our lives, how does that play out practically in what we do day to day? And uh, I'm not sure whether we've thought much about that before, but one of the things that stood out to me, and we'll have a conversation around this in, in a couple of moments, but the, the one passage that stood out to me as I was praying into this and preparing was Galatians 5, and it talks about really the, the fruit of living our own lives, but then it also goes on to the fruit of the Spirit and kind of contrasting what comes out of a life trying to pursue our own ways and our own agendas compared to a life that's submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And Galatians 5.24, and this is in the message translation, but I think it kind of brings out a couple of, of great points. And it says, among those who belong to Christ, everything connected with getting our own way and mindlessly responding to what everyone else calls necessities is killed off for good, crucified. So there's, there's two things that are mentioned there. One is getting our own way and then responding to what everyone else calls necessities. Those two things are killed off or crucified. And I can't help but think perhaps that is one practical way of beginning to, to measure and think about what lordship looks like in our own lives and in our internal world. That coming under the lordship of Jesus means that getting our own way and responding to you know, the pressures and the, the kind of expectations of others around us, those two things become less important. And instead we're focused on living the life at the direction of Jesus. And so... You know, some questions to think about. I wonder how easy is it for us to actually give up getting our own way in different situations and circumstances? And I'm the first to admit that I certainly still struggle with this, um, even in the context of Lucas not being so well over the last week or so, where, you know, if a kid wakes up in the middle of the night, I struggle because I'm like, this is not me getting my own way. I want to sleep. I don't want to be interrupted. And you kind of get frustrated and annoyed and get a bad attitude um, because I'm not getting my own way. Um, how easy is it for us to be able to respond in those circumstances where we don't get things the way that we wanted them to and actually kind of align ourselves with the character and the nature of Jesus? Also, how easy is it for us to, to give up and let go of that, that pressure of trying to fit into the ways of others? There's getting our own way, but there's also the way of others and not responding to what everyone else thinks is important or what everyone else thinks needs to be done. And I even just, you posted something just this week, Bessie, around the Sabbath that, that you guys have implemented as a family. And I, I honor you guys for that because, again, it's kind of choosing to go against what in many cases is the pressure of busyness of society and the world around us and choosing to actually have a day of rest where you spend time as a family and, 
and realign yourselves with what God is saying and what God is doing. And in, in some ways, I see that as a testimony of choosing to not mindlessly respond to the necessities of the world around us and actually submit to the, to the Lordship of Jesus. And so, you know, those two things, I think keeping them in, in mind, how do we actually deal with that? If we recognize that perhaps we still at times want our own way or at times we still do mindlessly respond to the pressures and the expectations of the world around us, how do we actually cultivate a heart that's submitted to the Lordship of Jesus? How do we redefine Lordship in, in our own lives, in our own families and that passage from Romans 10 in the Amplified, it says that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, his authority, and his majesty as, as God. And I think, you know, those, those three things perhaps are things that we don't necessarily take enough time to meditate upon. You know, how often do we think about the power and the authority and the majesty of God, not necessarily thinking about the power to bring the breakthrough that we want or the authority that he has to change the circumstance that we're believing for, but just his power, his authority and his majesty in having the ability to direct and lead our lives and make decisions for our lives. At least for me, I probably don't spend enough time thinking about and meditating on on those things. One of the lordships, the, one of the definitions, sorry, just in a, a secular definition of lordship is the authority or power of a lord. And, you know, do we meditate on Jesus' power and authority over our own lives in terms of directing the way that we are to go and the steps that we are to take? His power, his authority to control and direct us however he pleases. Is that something that we think about very often? I think for me personally, yes, I think about his power and his authority to be able to perhaps bring healing or breakthrough in a particular circumstance, but less about you know, surrendering and meditating on his power to lead and guide and direct me however he pleases and not necessarily getting my own way. It's really his authority to lead us regardless of whether we get our own way and regardless of whether it's in line with the necessities of what other people think are important for our lives. And so I didn't want to share for very long. I'm just going to finish by reading the the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, right, that passage that I mentioned, and read it in the message translation because, again, I think there's just something about the language that's, that's used here that in some ways makes it maybe a little bit more relevant and relatable for us in thinking about different life circumstances. And... You know, before I read that, I think, you know, there's one phrase that an old pastor of ours mentioned that has stuck with me for a number of years. And it's that the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is really to lead us to the Lordship of Jesus. And, and, and there's something really powerful about thinking about, really, that's, that's all the Holy Spirit is trying to do in us all the time, is just bring us to a place where we're submitted to the Lordship of, of Jesus and are letting Jesus have his way in and through our our lives. And in many ways, the Holy Spirit himself, I've often thought about this, he gave up his whole life to basically spend his time pointing us to Jesus. And so he's also a great testimony of someone who's submitted himself to the, to the Lordship of, of Jesus too, um, not getting his own way all the time, but actually laying down his life so that we might be pointed 
to Jesus. And so Galatians 5, this is a description of the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way the fruit appears in an orchard. And this is the the message translation of, you know, love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. And it says, things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. And I do believe that this is the fruit of the Lordship of Jesus operating in our lives. You know, there's an affection and a compassion for others. There's a willingness to stick with things, um, which, you know, I'm not sure is necessarily all that common when you think about this generation kind of more broadly, we move on far too quickly and we let go of things and haven't learnt the ability to actually persevere and stick it out. Um, and I think that's something that's probably been lost in the younger generations. We're able to see a holiness in everyday things and people. You know, I like that description of a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and, and people. There's loyal commitments not needing to force our way in life and an ability to direct and steward our energies wisely. Again, maybe it's worth just reflecting on whether we see those things, the, the fruit play out in, in our own lives that way. Um, and if not, what of those things perhaps might need some, some readjusting or, or redefining and, and come back under the lordship of, of Jesus. And so I just wanted to set a bit of a scene, paint a bit of a picture of Lordship and a couple of passages of scripture that hopefully have kind of stirred some things and got us thinking about some things in, in the context of living a life surrendered to the Lordship of, of Jesus.